0: I'm Matt Ball. I'm uh, Vice President, Head of Workplace Financial Health at the Financial Health Network. We are a 501c3 nonprofit whose mission is to improve financial health for all, especially those who are the most vulnerable. And I'm joined today by two friends, colleagues, leaders in this space, Rachel Schneider, a FHN alum, the author of the uh, highly rated financial diaries, um, and the co-founder and CEO of Canary, and of course, Devin Miller, who is the CEO, co-founder of SecureSave. So uh, we've only got 18 minutes, so we're going to go quickly, which is why I didn't give you all a chance to talk about yourselves. Um, Dev, I'm going to start with you. What are emergency savings accounts and why do they matter?
1: Yeah, so the key word that's missing there is workplace emergency savings accounts. It really helps kind of fill it in. So uh, workplace emergency savings accounts have been something that's been generating a lot of momentum over the last few years definitely hit a surge of the pandemic, and then recently with the passage of Secure 2.0, created a lot of definition and additional momentum around the concept. But basically what they are, it's it's easy to kind of think about them in terms of like a 401k or health savings account. Uh, Essentially, it's a specific type of account for emergencies that you get through work. It's all automated through payroll, uh, and it's something that is much easier, more accessible, more liquid, a very consumer-friendly account, but it's just for emergencies and the employer typically is going to provide an additional incentive, again, similar to a 401k or an HSA, and um, it's really designed to help do a few things. One is reduce 401k withdrawals or hardship loans or just early access to your retirement plan. Uh, It's meant to kind of build a bridge to help people get into retirement easier, and it's really just a, a way to create more liquidity for low to moderate income employees, which is proven to be really important for them, but also for the employers.
0: Yeah, and certainly I think we've all seen the data around the number of Americans who can't afford a $400 emergency. Um, It's ubiquitous and pernicious across our economy. Rachel, so Canary does something a little bit different but sort of similar in helping build short-term liquidity options for uh, workers through the workplace. How do you think about an emergency relief fund in relation to an emergency savings account?
2: Yeah, so I'll start by explaining what an emergency relief fund is. So what Canary does is we work with employers to set aside money as a charitable activity, right? So the um, company can raise money either by paying it for it directly or they can do fundraising campaigns internally or they can ask um, clients or investors or anyone really in their universe to contribute into a fund. For all of those individuals, it's a charitable de- deduction. And then that charity can give money to employees when they experience a crisis. And so, and then when, when people receive that money, for, it's a non taxable payment. So this is really. Um, a way of providing a backstop and using the rails of our nonprofit infrastructure in the U.S., which is quite robust, right? And so this is particularly useful in the case of, say, a natural disaster. If you have a group of employees in the Pacific Northwest who are gonna experience wildfires or in the South where they're gonna experience regular hurricanes, um, then this can really be a part of your disaster preparedness, business continuity planning as a company. But the reason I think it's so important to think about this um, alongside and really not in comparison with emergency savings is that in general, when we think about financial health and well-being, we think about, well, what what are the things I should take care of myself? What what can I do? And what's outside of what I can handle on my own, right? So what you want is for your employees to be thinking about their own long-term and short-term savings and facilitating and enabling them to do that. And then you also have to acknowledge that we are in a moment when many people, like as Matt's saying, don't have money set aside for a crisis. And what are you, what's gonna happen in that moment, right? And in that moment, communities always come together. It is just delightfully and luckily, like a part of human nature. Like people do help their neighbors and their community when they experience a crisis. Employees do contribute to their colleagues' GoFundMes, right? So how do you elevate that practice and make it a consistent part of a workplace culture um, is really what is about.
0: Yeah, and I also think just the amount of time it can take folks to save $400 on their own and having that emergency relief fund as a backstop as folks are building up that additional liquid asset is really important. Um, there's plenty of great research out there about certainly employer contributions and their support, but recognizing that people maybe aren't going to have a $500 emergency count when they sign up with SecureSafe can be a real bulwark. And we saw emergency relief funds really start to gain even more prominence during the pandemic. Um, and I think that employers have really recognized the valuable role that they play. At least we see that. So um, this next one, I'm going to start with you, Devin, and then Rachel would love for you to weigh in as well. So consumer fintech has been a bit of a bloodbath lately. Um, So why are you both focused on the workplace? What unique value do you see in going through the workplace channel? Devin.
1: Yeah, so the it has been a bloodbath. So the workplace is interesting. There's um, The way our product works is that it costs nothing to the consumer. You can only actually get invited through work. And so the way that we work with employers and, and our distribution partners is, is that the start of the customer journey starts with the employer, designing the program, linking through their payroll, and then they invite their employees to SecureSafe. And we get a 59% adoption rate right now when we send out invitations to, to employees, and that happens very fast. Uh, so, that's one reason why we like the workplace. You get a trusted source that has great information and the ability to nudge their employees into this product that can also provide extra incentives. And so, as an example, and we've talked a lot about this this week to folks, that I think at retail, like the average consumer account for not even a fintech, but just a consumer is maybe $300 from a cost of acquisition. Ours is like $20. Um, and the behavior that we see from there on after is amazing. It's super high retention, about 88% retention per year really natural growth of deposits, which is a great story for the consumer and and the problem we're trying to solve. We see people get to $400 in four to five months, $1,000 in about 13 months, and they love the product. And so when you involve that trusted, you know, advocate uh, that can also provide extra incentives and has really great information that can streamline the onboarding, you get a really magical experience. It definitely creates other problems. You have to sell big employers and partners, but uh, it's been a really successful thing in 401ks, HSAs, other products. And so if you can get that flywheel going, it creates really great positive product dynamics. And for us, that was a like a must have as we thought about how to really solve for emergency savings.
0: Yeah, just quick follow up on that. What are you seeing once people start saving? Are they spending it down immediately? Are they keeping it in the account? <laughs> no, that was, like,
1: we always got that, especially, um, uh, yeah, it was a common question of if we give this money to employees, are they just going to spend it and it's just going to be a turnstile of money? And That is exactly not what we see. People save, they have a very consistent kind of pattern of of saving. The average user only takes money out twice per year, it's very specific amounts, and um, they love the product, they check it all the time. Even the amount that the employer matches
0: typically is not
1: coming out of the product in any large amounts, and so they really do want to save.
0: Yeah, and that's consistent with also the behavioral science research around mental accounting, that if you create a specific account for a specific purpose, people overwhelmingly tend to use it for said purpose. Um, which is another valuable so rachel back to you in terms of canary strategy as to why workplace why is this the place you all have chosen to start your distribution network
2: so um for a few reasons i mean one is that i do think employers really see this need right they see that people are struggling and they so when we are talking to hr leaders about our product what we hear from them often is stuff is a storyline like this we know our employees are experiencing a high inflation environment right six Luckily, it seems to be going down, but that doesn't change that for many people, their basic cost of living has really increased. But when they think about their business dynamics, they're worried about a recession. They don't feel like they have the room to just increase people's wages by 6%, right? Nobody's doing just a cost of living adjustment based on the inflation that we've seen. So that means that HR leaders know that their people are struggling. And they don't really know how to engage with that necessarily. Like, it's, it's a... It's a painful thing to know, for example, that you have employees on your staff who can't make rent. And people do come and tell their boss that, right? They come and tell their HR leader, and they say, like, I'm worried I can't get to work. And, and you also always hear stories about how people's productivity have dropped, right? So, and it's often related to a specific crisis, right? So I have this great employee. They're delivering at work, absolutely succeeding, and then um, X bad things happens in their life, right? A child has a major medical event. A parent has um, a need that they are working to fulfill. And all of a sudden, they... Or they have a car accident, right? And now all of a sudden, like, their extra resources are gone. And they start, you know, being less effective at work. And so what we've seen um, is really the case here is that companies know they have some business need to solve here, right? Around productivity, retention engagement, and they need to do so in a way that has a lot of equity and transparency and consistency, right? So that's the benefit of an emergency savings account, right? Everyone is eligible for the same match. Or the benefit of an emergency relief fund where you're turning it over to a third party and we're saying, here are the eligibility criteria. And so we are telling you that we will deliver against these eligibility criteria consistently Whereas, otherwise, what HR leaders are stuck with is sort of the haphazard like, attempt to respond compassionately to specific people who raise their hand. And the generalized worry that there must be a big number of people who have not raised their hand but are in the same position, and therefore you've now opened yourself up to a lot of risk of unequal treatment.
0: Well, I wanna pick up on something, so I'm going off script, so this is the first rogue question. Um, You know, you you talked early on in your setup about wildfires in the Pacific Northwest, other sorts of catastrophes. Then, of course, you talked about risk. So my brain immediately goes to ESG and the increasing focus that many companies have on their ESG strategy. How are you seeing your solution manifest any of those ESG conversations?
2: Yeah, so it it shows up right away in our conversations with clients. Um, They are thinking about this as one of the things they can do for the S in the ESG of a social We're also hearing a lot of interest in what we're doing from a DEI perspective. So, you know, one of the things this video sparked, right, was people talking about generational wealth and the idea that generational wealth doesn't mean that your family is wealthy. It just means somebody can help you with a car, with a used car, right? So that's the dynamic amongst communities in general, right? When you think about that wildfire example or the hurricane example, what you see is that lower-income neighborhoods are much less able to bounce back. And that is because they just, in general, have less wealth. They, in general, have less cushion. People share with each other just as much. They're just as helpful with each other. They're just as kind. They're just as compassionate. They just have less money to give. And so employers are an incredibly important um, player in the DEI conversation around wealth inequality because it's one of the only socioeconomically and um, racially diverse communities that we're, m- most of us are part of. Um, and so often we see real excitement about the idea of an emergency fund within a DEI strategy.
0: Yeah, and of course, looking at our, the sponsor Equifax and the role of being able to have that short-term liquidity to avoid taking on unnecessary debt, high interest credit cards, payday lending, the scourge of much of the f- folks that are uh, working for a living. Um, wanting to go back to you, Devin, here, what sort of outcomes have you seen for your employees that are using this, as well as what, what if any benefits have been accruing to the employer?
1: Yeah. So really quick, the video, uh, the, the woman, the first woman I think spoke to something about wanting to feel more secure. I mean, that is our mission, how to help people feel and be more financially secure. And in our mind, that starts with, and there's a lot of great data that people like FHN have put out that says that just starts with short-term savings. If you just can get to that few hundred dollars, a thousand dollars, $2,500, these make huge differences to people to be more financially secure. And so we work really hard to make sure that the product is performing super well to that regard. And so we look at adoption rate Number one, if you can't get employees to actually opt into this, because it is right now mainly an opt-in product, then you're not going to help a broad base of people. Again, we get 59% adoption when we send invitations, and it's very consistent across employers. Like, um, It's something that we've seen behave very consistently. The second is they save. So as I said, they get to $1,000 in 13 months, which is a huge milestone for a lot of people, uh, and they don't raid the accounts. They take out a couple transactions. They stick with it. They check it a lot. Um, And for employers, there's continuing to be more, and we don't have time to get into it, but like defined ROIs that this has a profound impact on the employees and the employers. And so I'm hopeful that over time, like those impact numbers will just continue to expand. And and we think there's a real chance that we can make a huge dent in that short-term liquidity problem.
0: Yeah, and what I would just say, if you're interested in the R and the ROI, Devin and I hosted a webinar with Professor Carrie Leanna from the University of Pittsburgh that really validated the, it, the, a real r not like yeah. the the fanta- you know the phantom r that a lot of vendors talk about but an actual r so i would encourage you to do that and carries putting out tremendous research really looking at the effects of having a cushion financially on cognitive performance attention all the things that actually show up in work and other parts of your business rachel uh, by the way we have a q and a qr code up here so um, if you're captivated mesmerized have a burning question Please feel free to submit it, um, and we will get to it if we have the uh, time. Rachel, what what are you sort of seeing with your clients, both for their workforce and your your partners there, the outcomes?
2: So it is all the same kinds of things, um, but but what's interesting is that we're not looking for high usage, right? That, that's not the goal. Um, and in fact, if if usage of your your company's emergency relief fund is really high, that's probably a sign that your benefits infrastructure is weak in some other way. And so one thing that we're doing is we're, we look at the data to see, well, what, what kinds of um, events are showing up for people and are those I- events that are useful for this client's leadership team and HR team in particular to know about, to, to shine a spotlight on, oh, that's a gap in our current benefits infrastructure, right? So what we're looking for is really um, a generalized, improved peace of mind. So you could think of this as, and and the point you were making, Matt, around um, people do use the money, use money in the ways that they are intending to use it. So if I have an emergency savings account, I'm going to wait till I have an emergency and I'm going to use that savings account. Similarly, you want people to feel like, well, this is a backstop I have access to when I really need it, um, but I'm not going to use it otherwise. And so in the companies where we're seeing sort of the highest quality applications, as you will, what we're looking for is that people understand the program well enough to apply and have, and then we have a high acceptance rate. Right, So the metric we care about a lot is that we don't get people applying and getting denied because they didn't understand what this is for and weren't in fact eligible. Um, and we're looking for, um, we collect a lot of data, so we are asking people after the fact, did, how did this money help you? And we're looking for um, both some things around employee engagement, like so how did this make you feel about your employer, but also um, what negative impacts in your life did you avoid because you received this help, right? And so we hear some pretty distressing things, right? Like, I was able to not downgrade my food choices. I was able to not get evicted. I was able to not pay my bills late. I was able to not take out a high-cost loan. And we're really looking for those as the main outcomes.
0: Yeah, because the ripple effects of that are just so pernicious downstream. Devin, this is probably a question aimed squarely in your bullseye. (laughs) Yeah. ahead and start. Yeah, I'll be
1: really quick on this. The question is, how do you get employees or employers to contribute to the employee savings, and what is the typical match amount rate? So the typical match amount rate is only about 100 to 150 per employee per year. And so that's actually part of the first answer which is it's not a lot for a lot of employers especially when you consider and you mentioned that like cost of living we're not going to just give employees inflation is cost of living Um, so a lot of employers are trying to think about how to provide more without going all the way the other component is a lot of employers already have a big budget set aside for financial wellness or wellness benefits overall and they're looking for the biggest bang for the buck that has the most kind of sticking power that is the easiest to track the impact. And that's where emergency savings and emergency relief overall have a very clear uh, value add. And um, and so the employers, somewhat surprising even to us, 80 to 90% provide an incentive. And it's very visible to the employee. And so that's an added incentive as well, which is, is that the employee sees it, it's very tangible. And yeah, we, it, it's actually been a lot easier than we expected, to be honest.
0: Yeah, and you, you were very humble earlier, but a 59% utilization rate on what is essentially a voluntary benefit, if you've ever worked in voluntary benefits, that's an astronomically high number. And while Save is awesome, Devin, um, I've seen that across other emergency savings yep. platforms as well, so. There seems to be something really attractive to the workforce about this type of... Correct. Benefit. It's very
1: popular. The topic of emergency savings and relief is hugely popular with, with employees, and so that's a big part of it as well. Yeah.
2: yeah. Right. yeah. Well, I was going to say a related point is um, one of the features that that an emergency relief fund brings is that employees can donate into the fund, right? And some employers are worried about that ask. like how, Like, why am I asking my staff to contribute, but actually you see people contribute in pretty high percentages also. And I think um, one way to, that people think about this is, well, I'm doing my own savings and I'm also gonna contribute to this pool because I know some people are gonna be worse off than me or I, wanna, I just wanna be part of this universe, right? This is my community. And people wanna give, it feels very good.
0: We're out of time, but I'm gonna say, what's one thing you want this audience to take away? And I'll let Rachel go first and end with Devin.
2: Um, <laughs> yeah,
0: okay, I, I, I think, you know,
1: overall, we've had good conversations this week, and what's resonated with people, as I think is what I said earlier, emergency savings is like one of the top priorities for average people right now, and if you ask them, that's it, so I think it's good for both of us, like, this is a huge topic that's popular with the average person, it's a great way to sell to the workplace, uh, both of the offerings, I think, are really exciting that way, and I know Rachel and I would both be excited to kind of tell the stories of this particular set of use cases, and how it's sold to the workplace, and uh, so...
2: All right, that's perfect. And I, that's perfect. Thank you for wrapping it up for us. And I would add also that um, uh, the reality is the workplace is a really important place to uh, environment in which to think about the financial health of Americans. Really important. The most important financial event in anybody's life is their workplace. Like that's the, that is the biggest driver on people's financial well being. And so it's really exciting to be part of, of leveraging that moment, that experience in people's lives for their benefit. I actually have one question, and it's probably a dumb question, but I'll I'll say that: is, Are either one of these tax tax uh, free? Like, is that pre-tax that they're putting these into these accounts?
1: So, workplace emergency savings accounts are all post-tax. Okay. And the quick answer is, in a weird way, that's a positive, and I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, they don't have tax. Accounts on it after. Yep. Yeah. yep.
2: So. Right. And the, the tax treatment of emergency release funds is that, you can, there's, that there's all operating as a charitable activity, so donors are able to um, include their donation as a charitable deduction on their oh. taxes, so that is, has a tax benefit. And individuals who receive a grant, it's non-taxable. Is so. it set up as a 501c3? yeah nice. very cool. Thank you. This a great moderator, you were the only one that actually stopped on time. So thank you. <laughs> and this was very informative. Thanks so much for joining us today. really. appreciate it. great. Thank you. Great conversation. Thank you.